0: You make me rethink my whole understanding of art. You make me want to start afresh, start anew. I want to come to you with ideas, set those ideas upon a clean slate. I'm inspired by the way that your knowledge weaves its way into your stories. You're not overly analytical, but this is a strength. Your charm is in your alertness and your openness to the world. By looking at you, I am reminded by how the way we move through stories is how we move through life. By being drawn in through voices, human voices. I feel like a different person after I read your story. You are the kind of story I want to read forever. And I'm completely and mysteriously shaken by you. Within you I jump, touching each concept and moving to the next, jostling with time, propagating time, moving back and forth in time. I try not to flatten all your complexity. You are many things. You're about love, and place, and sex, and mind. With courage you present your stories in the face of cultural devastation, and unbelievably you find hope in the loss of culture. And the knowledge of culture, the relearning of culture, the passing of knowledge on, giving meaning to these ideas of hope. You make me think about how I should live my life, recognising that my very existence here is many things, including a colonist, and as the colonised, constantly contributed to my sense of self. And that my culture is always threatening, and is always under the threat of collapse, but scaffolded by resistance, resilience, power. You're intensely political, intensely moral, but unbelievably without outrage, without being shrill. You're strong and calm. I'm caught in your complexity. You're simultaneously direct and indirect about your political and historical place in the world, but also about bodies and individuals and sex and their places in the world. You are the meeting place of the natural, the animal, the meeting of flesh with history, language, culture, and social identity. I want to let myself down into you with a hand on the earth I breathe in and out, paying more attention to the process in order to pay more attention to you. Life is complicated and difficult. Relationships are complicated and difficult. Wa LE FAO At times I find it difficult to believe what you've gone through the ongoing traumas that you've suffered, the onslaught of the West, how this could all be, and how you can study and live these traumas with joy and humour, how this might be your strategy. I try to imagine what you might mean if you are speaking the truth, what these upheavals would mean to history, the ceasing of events as they were understood, the utter devastation, the tearing up of land, the burning of trees, the drawing of lines, the desecration of bodies how the basis of your way of life was removed, how even for those lucky enough to maintain their body, the loss of culture was suffered. I stand before you and imagine your story without this and with this, your story in comparison to mine. How am I to articulate our differences? So foolish is my love. I broaden the idea of love and understand that it's conditional. These ideas of love can be reversed. There is an impermanence to them. I comprehend that you might be happy without me, but I doubt the same for myself. How do you face with dignity and courage the collapse of all that you know? Aristotle thought that early childhood was the most important time in learning and becoming, in crafting a future ethical life. He believed that human excellence, being a strong person, having courage was learned in the first few years of life. It is the human condition to prepare for all sorts of things that might happen, teaching a child that no matter what happens they will be able to move through life with dignity, integrity, and courage. If, as Aristotle believed, this is the structure of our psyche, to be able to face different challenges as they arise, what happens if one's training about a whole realm of future possibilities, if all those possibilities collapse through invasion? It's not just an event, but a problem of the whole field of futures collapsing. What happens in these moments of cultural catastrophe? What happens to that point of learning? And how is it to be passed on? Do cultural practices cease to have meaning? Can they have meaning in the same way as they had before? If meaning is produced by cultural practices, and the practices of culture are always seen as embedded within a larger context, what happens to the surrounding aura of meaning when context collapses? What happens to that meaning once the context is stripped away? Does it disappear? Yes and no. Culture is living. Culture is breathing. Culture evolves. Life is complicated and difficult. Relationships are complicated and difficult. le Lefau I watch you from across the street. My satisfaction is frightening. Being in love is a stupid kind of rapture. I have no advice for anyone. All my love and memories of love roll into one. I recollect them by watching you. A recounting of reform, of learning. I watch you and see that this is actually a transformation story. I'm now convinced that there is change. Something has been lifted. Change has happened. I had a dream. I dreamt that love could heal these insurmountable wrongs. I speak to you from a place of instability. How should I use this dream? Does it befit the future? Do our visions have a divine cause? What are the dangers in framing these dreams within the realm of spirituality? What do my actions mean in terms of fidelity to a religious call? I project myself into the future, an optimism founded on faith. But I'm agnostic and not sure of where this faith comes from. My concept of the present is vulnerable and not at all finite. All I know is that I possess through you some kind of commitment to the goodness of the world. And because of this, I'm sure we'll find ourselves, after the panic, after the noise, in a quietness. I think of myself, as I know you do, as having multiple identities. Identities that do not fall within gender or sexual binaries, that shift across country, that are outside and within the patriarchy. Identities that question normative European history. It is a familiar and valorized idea today that we have many identities, that there is fluidity between these identities. But there is privilege in accepting the reality of fluidity too. Perhaps the currency of identity becomes particular under threat when someone refuses to exchange identity. But maybe this is just a neoliberal way of thinking about life. What happens if the existence of one or more of these identities is threatened? Do we focus in on the others? Is there a finiteness and vulnerability of concepts of self? How resilient are those going to be? I concede that there are versions of my identity that I'm not willing to concede. I wonder if you feel the same. I think about the hostility leveled at women, people of color, minority, or anything other than a cis white man. Hostility directed at those people who make themselves a central part of their stories, like they should be embarrassed about who they are. It's not natural for us to think about ourselves as separate, binary, different from each other in gender, race or sexuality. So why do we constantly jar against popular constructs that focus on difference, that advocate for race and gender essentialism? It's beautiful, and sad in its truth, how you have equated the ongoing traumas of imperialism with the struggles of sexual identity. So much of where we go wrong, we, humanity, is in thinking that biological difference creates behavioural difference. We let ourselves down by assuming that biological sex has the same effect on brain development as it does on the reproductive system. It doesn't, and there is proof of that. There are parallel interactive influences, genetic influences, epigenetic, hormonal and environmental influences, which all act and interact in complicated ways, in ways that don't create discrete male versus female binaries. Built into our brains is constant overlap and variability. We are mosaics of gender and sexuality and race. We diverge, we don't diverge, we compensate, we create similarities, we create difference, we share commonality, we share difference. Behaviour is not located on a spectrum. We are a complex, unpredictable array of attributes. Life is complicated and difficult. Relationships are complicated and difficult at moments we misunderstand each other at moments we can't hear each other's words we make an exchange and learn to understand we find commonality in the shared experience of having people tell us what to do with our bodies we recognize the fear in each other social hierarchy exists everywhere all over the world in many different ways and has all kinds of expressions There are lines drawn, and in this country, with this set of laws, with this history, lines have been drawn, and we cross them. You make me want to understand how these lines, these laws, separate our ability to be subject to one another. How they distort our relations in a profoundly dysfunctional way, an exceptionally dysfunctional way. The fear that has been absorbed, that is inside you, is also inside me. And suddenly the moral of your story is not hidden, it's obvious and unambiguous. This is a story of human outrage, resistance, healing, and futures. But you're not preaching to me, or showing me something obvious, or inviting me, the viewer, in a ready-made category of response. You take me inside rather than tell me. You implicate me in your story. I stand inside you and I think about what it is to be made of your narrative voice. Your story that you tell in the first, second, and third person's. You move in and out of my mind, how should I read you? How should I read these different perspectives? You are omniscient, you make your observations and I watch you and every detail of you tells me so much about you. Your audacity in seizing a moment between worlds, seizing the possibility between them, the consequences of seizing and naming those differences and possibilities, the consequences of seizing love, The morality of your story is that the moment is created, that the moment can be seized. Life is complicated and difficult. Relationships are complicated and difficult. Wanumi Lefao I glide through landscapes of solid and invented figures trying to understand the world around me and I picked you out. I picked out your eyes that were also moving around crowds. Your eyes that stopped on mine, and mine on yours. I worry that I'm a fraud, not from here, not of this place, not of this body. I attempt to make my imaginary real, and you help me understand. Let's map out a terrain and snatch away a secret life. Let's fictionalize each other and enter each other's dreams. Let's tell stories. Our stories are made more truthful by not being defined by false frameworks that others lay on top of their stories. Our stories are fluid. We make space in our stories where language tries to imagine a place of non-language. Our stories meet the body warm and intact in silence. We try to distance our language from the successive shells of their language, of flattened false frameworks, of legal procedure, of critical statements, of the summary of lives and dates and places without details or feeling. Our language is a kind of language that draws attention to how language can crush emotional value. We try to account for what has happened through emotion. We are weary of the colonizing effects of language. But language is my medium, so I continue to write you love letters. Because language and life is complicated and difficult. Relationships are complicated and difficult. Wa Numi lāfāl. Yours always, The Fraud Complex.
1: This fictional letter is part of The Ships in the Night project and has been written in response to Wanumi LaFaw, a group exhibition curated by Layuli Ashragi at Gertry Contemporary from the 6th of May until the 18th of June as part of the Next Wave Festival 2016. It is written, edited and produced by Kelly Fleabner and spoken by Faye and De Evie. Ships in the Night has been developed for Next Wave Festival 2016 and assisted by the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body, and the Margaret Lawrence Bequest. Ships in the Night is a part of an ongoing project called On the Beach, a podcast that, among other things, is interested in the intersection of contemporary art practice and fiction. On the Beach is supported by the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria. The Ships in the Night website has been designed and developed by Ron McNorn and this music has been produced by Ron Koo.